You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's get to some mailbag questions. If you want to email the show and get your mailbag questions read and answered on the air, uh, mailbag at gmail.com, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com let's start shelly sends this one and we'll get a little female representation off the top everyone seems to love will anderson as a player but hates that the texans gave up so much to get him what needs to happen for us this season to be saying the will anderson trade is a, is a success a year from now well first of all shelly they still have first second third round picks next year and every time i've seen a negative story that they gave up too much they never, ever have pointed that out in any story I've seen. I think people don't know that they got first, second, third round picks next year. So Anderson was the top defensive player in the draft. He was an, a lot of boards. He was the top player in the draft. Their two major needs were quarterback and edge rusher. And there's a reason you stockpile draft choices is you can use them to help you move up and get players. They got a they got guys. Now I don't think Stroud will be a candidate for offensive rookie of the year like Bijan Robinson, because it's much easier for rookie running backs. But Anderson is the leading contender for defensive rookie of the year based on all picks and odds. And uh I think that uh you know sack wise even it's gonna be uh, he gets an eight to ten range, people be happy. Eight nine let him last year, eight the year before, if he gets double digits, becoming the first double digits since Watt had 16 in 2018, that would be great. But I, I've, if Will Anderson doesn't become a great player, there are a lot of experts who will be wrong. Yeah, no, there are no doubt. I almost think, John, to answer her question the way I look at it is what needs to happen for us to be saying the Will Anderson trade is a success a year from now? First of all, it probably takes longer than a year to evaluate it. You know, he's this is a long-term thing with Will Anderson. I think as far as people in football evaluating it, because we know they're going to judge this trade. They're going to judge this trade till Will Anderson retires or the Texans win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be judged for a long time. If we're talking about the point a year from now, to me it's almost like this sliding scale where the fewer number of games, because, because the Cardinals have the Texans' first-round pick next year, which everybody seems to think is just a lock to be a top five pick. I'm not so sure about that, but you and I were higher on the Texans last year than most, and they disappointed us. But I think the schedule is friendlier this year, and I think they're better across the board in so many areas, including head coach. I almost think for this trade, I don't even think Stroud is part of it. I think it's to me it's almost like this sliding scale where if this pick is like a top three or four pick, that Will Anderson needs to be a pro bowler. If the Texans actually go out and win seven games next year, eight games next year, and Will Anderson is just a rotational guy on the defense, 
then I don't think people are going to go ahead and look at the trade like it was this disaster. Because if you win seven or eight games, that pick is more like 12 or 13 or 14. Um, so to me, that's that's the yin and the yang of the whole thing is, okay, how good is Will Anderson? How good is the team? And how much do does each need to compensate for the other? Because I think that's what – that's what people are worked up about. The thing that the thing that people look at with this trade is not Will Anderson, the player. They're looking at that pick and going, the Cardinals might have the top two picks in the draft next year, in a in a in a deep draft next year. First of all, Cardinals may blow the pick, mm-hmm. and uh, the Texans also got a fourth round pick in this trade. And a lot of it'll have to do what do the Texans get in the first, second, third round next year. Yeah. If they get players, they'll say, hey, we didn't need those picks. We got players with our first pick, picks in the first three rounds. Now, the first round is the Browns. They need the Browns to lose. The third round pick is the Eagles, which you think that's going to be low. But so what? There's been a lot of great players taken low in the third round or afterwards. So people that don't like to trade are going to do everything they can to justify their criticism. People that do like it, I think there's different ways to look at it, as you just pointed out, but we're not going to know for three or four years. Oh, of course not. Of course not. But that won't stop people from giving it a report card next year for sure. Um, Our friend Dave Howard, John, emails in, frequent emailer to the pod. Dave, we appreciate you. Uh, I'm excited about Tank Dell, 5'10", 165, he says. I'm reminded of Ernest Gibbons, 5'9", 178, who played for the Oilers in the 80s and 90s. Fast, shifty, 10-year career. Pound for pound, one of the toughest players I've ever seen. John, you covered him and remember him well. Do you guys think Givens might be a comp for Tank Dell? First of all, Tank Dell is not 5'10". He's 5'8". He was 5'8 at the combine, and he didn't grow two inches. The Texans took the sizes of the colleges, and the colleges always, always make players bigger. I've asked the Texans to give us accurate measurements, and I'm just using combine. I don't care what they say because okay. the combine was official. He's 5'8", 165. He'll tell you he's 5'8". He's not as heavy as Ernest Givens. He's not as tall as Ernest Givens. And um, Givens uh, was one of the best receivers in Oilers history. Tank has got a chance to contribute right away. How much opportunity he gets to play depends on John Mechie. They're both slot receivers. Mechie has played outside some. Tank didn't have his success outside. It was inside. And so um, that's a good comparison. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Casario who wanted to compare him to Wes Welker. Welker's heavier than he was and taller than he was as well. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, next one, John. Our friend Chris in the ATL emails in. Another frequent emailer to the pod. We appreciate you, Chris. 
Uh, the Texans not having a primetime game is not good for those of us who are out, who are limited to seeing them live. Since we live outside of the regional broadcast, I get my Texans feed from the radio, so hopefully I'll enjoy more rock and rolls and fewer oh-nos this season. Uh, I love that. Let's see. He asked, here's his question. Let's say the NFL changed their mind and decided to award the Texans a primetime game. Which game would you argue for and why? Well, first of all, you can also always get the NFL package on uh, YouTube now. Sunday and ticket. Watch, and watch every Texans game. Um, I would want it to be against one of the op, top other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And if both of them were starting, both of them had, had a little seasoning, I like it to be the game that they played against Bryce Young at Carolina mm-hmm. because both of them – See, it's October 29th, so they'll have almost they'll have almost two months of starting experience because they were first and second, and they will forever be compared. And odds are one or both of them are going to fail. I hope it's not like Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Both were first and second pick, and neither and both of them were huge disappointments. So I would take the Panthers. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would too. I don't. Not to get too schedule nerdy, John. I don't know that they start flexing games that early in the season. That's the only thing I would say. Like if we're literally saying which one do we hope would get flexed under the rules, which by the way I want to ask you about these Thursday flexes that they approved this week. We'll do that in a second. Week eight, they, they might that might be in the window they could flex it. I, well, the one, the one I was going to say was the final game of the season, another battle of rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud, because if that one were to get flexed into primetime, it means it's getting flexed there because it means something. Kind of like the Packers and the Lions got flexed into primetime last year at the end. Now, that ended up not meaning anything because of some of the results earlier in the day. But, you know, the NFL tries to structure that Week 18 Sunday in a way that the games progressively throughout the day still have some sort of mathematical meaning to them. And I'm not saying that the Texans and the Colts in week 18, if they got flexed, they would be battling for a bye week in the first round or anything. But that's why I bring up the Packers and the Lions as an example. They were both 8-8 eight and eight going into that game last year in Green Bay, and they got flexed into prime time. If that game got flexed into prime time, you're getting a battle of two top rookie quarterbacks inside the division, and it means that the Colts and the Texans actually did something this year to put themselves in position to be relevant in Week 18. So I would take that one. That would be my – take the other battle of rookie quarterbacks, John. Yeah, I'd be shocked if the Texans play on national TV unless they're in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the the um, the flexing goes, what, what are your thoughts on – the NFL approving a rule where they can flex up to two games later in the season, weeks 13 through 17, in that window, they can flex two games into Thursday night, so from a Sunday back to a Thursday with a month's notice to the teams involved. I'm sure the traveling Texans are eating this up. I've seen games where there's 3,000 people that have planned that game all year long to go on the road and see the Texans play, and they have so much fun, I think, for the fans. It's awful, and uh, but they don't care about the fans. They only care about the money. Well, and then Jerry Jones said something that I thought was a little curious, given that he's one of the owners of a Taj Mahal of a stadium, and given what he charges for ticket prices uh, up there at AT&T Stadium, um, he is obviously, along with 23 other owners, a supporter of this new rule. Um, he gave a stat out, well, only 7% of NFL fans have ever even been to an NFL stadium. The other 93% watch it on TV. And I'm going, well, that is a big middle finger to what is it in all likelihood your most 
your most uh, passionate, and let's face it, your most affluent fans. <laughs> but what about those 7% that, that get their hotels and their flights yeah. and everything? Then they got to pay change fees or they can't go at all. I just Agreed. Think, I think it's terrible. It's all about the almighty dollar. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Chris also asked, speaking of primetime entertainment, any new shows you guys started watching recently that you would recommend? Are you on anything on TV, John, right now? Are you, are you in any one thing, shows? Uh, one thing, Carol and I like to watch, we like BritBox. We love a lot of British mysteries mm. and detective shows. You know, they don't have, they don't do a lot of killing with guns. They don't have big fights. Uh, they don't have explosions. They don't have car chase scenes but they have some good old fashioned mysteries that make you think. And usually whatever I think it's not what happens. Like I'll say, well, that guy did it. Or she'll Carol say, well, that woman did it. And we're always wrong. And I like that. Yeah, that's good. Swerves. I like that too. <clears throat> um, we're at, we're, we watch Ted Lasso every week on Apple TV with Jason Sudeikis. This, se- this is the last season. It's only a three season show. This season's been a little too touchy feely for me. It's I, I like the humor in that show. They're a little too serious this year. <clears throat> um, I'm starting in on Mad Men. Did you watch Mad Men, John? I watched Mad Men. I I this sounds terrible, but I don't like comedies. I, I I used to watch them. I like things now. I don't know why that are dramas where people get beat up and killed, and uh, bad guys get hurt. And uh, that's just that's what I read and that's what I watch. And uh, I like things that are going to challenge me mentally. And I don't know why I'm down on comedies because I used to watch them like crazy. Yeah. Well, John, we know the two things you like and I like. We know the two things that the Utopia Football Podcast stands for, John. Sex, violence. That's what we're all about on, on, on the uh, Utopia That's why football. we love Game of Thrones. So the game. Much. The Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And that's why I like <laughs> Sons of Anarchy, which yep. is the best thing. Yep, Sopranos as well. The the Sopranos, those shows yep. were fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, John is in downtown. He says, everyone wants to blame Bagwell for the bad moves. Is that an accurate blaming, or is there more to it than that? So an Astros question for you here, John. What, what are well, your thoughts on Bagwell's role in the moves that haven't worked so far for the Astros? Um, well, first of all, Jim Crane was running the, the front office, and Bagwell was his advisor. And when they went to get Abreu, two assistant GMs went with him. So it's not just they didn't just sign him and give him all that money based on Bagwell's uh, recommendation. And I don't know why. What others, what others, does Bagwell get any credit for any of these other ones? Does he get any credit for last year getting Dubon in there? Did he advise James Click? We don't know exactly what who he's advising or not. And I know people are ripping him up for Abreu, and uh, but but I don't know. I I just have learned a long time ago. Uh, if you're the if you're the GM, you got to take responsibility. It's like you're the owner. You got to take responsibility for your GM. But uh, I know everybody was ripping the Montero signing contract. Now he's back to pitching well. Bullpen's yep. best in baseball again. And I, I'm down on Abreu just like everybody else, but. Putting that all on Bagwell, I think that would be very short-sighted. I do, too. Um, did you happen to catch the broadcast last night with Bagwell on it? Yeah. Am I the only one thinks he needs to get closer to the mic or turn his mic? No. Yeah. That's someone. Hopefully, we'll see tonight if it sounds better. No, he, he sounded way too soft-spoken. Did you, what did you 
Did you buy his excuse for Abreu as to why he's not been hitting? That his brain is telling his I don't I didn't totally understand what he was saying, John. I was kind of like, either. all right, you're Jeff Bagwell, whatever. Okay. You know, you're the expert. Bagwell's my all-time favorite Astro. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, Abreu mm -hmm. looks slow. His bat looks slow. He's swinging at bad pitches. He's taking a lot of good pitches. And you know it's tearing him up. And you know it's tearing up Bagwell. But the fact is. They're playing great right now in spite of Jose Abreu. My problem is Dusty, where he continues to put him in the order. Now, he dropped him a spot. And the fact that he can't find a way for Dubon, he decides to play Dubon after three games out. He only hits a 405-foot home run. So those are good <laughs> good problems to have when you have too, too much to figure out. But Abreu's got to be, I'm guessing, if not the – one of the top three or four uh, bad moves that were made in the offseason. Oh, yeah, he's got to be. John, John, his his OPS is less than Martin Maldonado's. I mean, it's it's a disaster. Hey, Maldi is over the Mendoza line. I know he is. Maldi has been on a tear. He has. He has. I Look, I root, I root for all of them. Like, I just wish that the, my concern with Abreu – Nobody knows exactly why. Like, Bagwell's explanation is what it is. It was a bunch of word salad to me. I'm like, he's like, your brain and the bat and this and that, and every hitter goes through it, and all he has to do is hit one, and then that is going to open things up, blah, 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 blah. The, my problem with the Abreu is just purely based on the contact he's making. If there's five different explanations for why he's so bad, the most likely explanation is that he's washed up. <laughs> He's old, and this is what we're going to – the best we're going to get is some sort of augmented version of this 600 OPS zero home run guy that they signed for three years. You saw that graphic I did because you commented on it. I, we retweeted it comparing him in every stat last season to this season with the bat speed and, and how many barreling the ball and everything is down this season. Yeah. Yep. It's not like he's hitting the ball hard right at people. No. It's not like he's being robbed with great catches or people making running catches or, or leaping at the fence. He's hitting singles, and he's not paid to hit singles. Nope.